Hello and welcome to the Hair Dry Treatment Podcast. I am for this week your host Andy and I am as forever joined by two of our regulars Steve and Luke. How are you boys? Doing great mate, yeah how are you? Yeah, yeah not bad. Yeah really? not bad, not bad. Um, also there is a big elephant in the room, the fact that Kieran isn't here but I'm sure he'll be back for the next podcast that we do. He's going to be really upset you call him an elephant. He's still in the drink, oh, celebrating the Newcastle takeover. That's what it is. That's why we've been yeah. so quiet recently. We've had to try and sober him up, but there's not enough coffee in the world, sadly. <laughs> yeah, he's just been on a huge, like, six-week bender, isn't he? But he's not really had time to do anything. So, um... <laughs> but... He's got a lot to celebrate. I mean, not only the takeover, but he finally, finally got rid of Steve Bruce. And we well, have... We have done 50 plus <laughs> podcasts with him complaining about Steve Bruce. So it's understandable that he'd been drunk in a gutter for four weeks. Well, the good thing uh, is now we can do a new impression as well because we can go, Cross, Aston Villa, like, you know, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, yes, since, course. We last, since we lasted the podcast, there has been a lot of changes in the Premier League, notably when it comes to managers. Um, Spurs sacked Nuno Espirito Santo and replaced him with Antonio Conte. Um, Newcastle, as we said, sacked Steve Bruce and they replaced him with a former Bournemouth manager, Eddie Howe. And Norwich sacked Daniel Farke the same day they got their first win in the league and replaced him today with former Villa manager, Steen Smith. And Dean Smith, who was a Villa, got sacked and his replacement is the one and only Steven Gerrard. Now, we might as well start with Steven Gerrard as there is a Rangers fan uh, in the room. And of course, the Liverpool fan as well. Um, so, first of all, I want to get your thoughts, Luke. First of all, on what are your thoughts on him leaving Rangers, and then how well do you think he'll do with Aston Villa? Bloody Aston Villa! That was my first. That was my first <laughs> instinct. Honestly, I was like, Aston Bloody Villa! I mean, come <laughs> on! But um, no, do, do you know what? I think I think there's always going to be a bit of frustration when you're you're in there. The, the, the Scottish Premier League because you know even the big two can't pay the same wages or even close to even the championship never mind the Premier League so there's always going to be a temptation to sign better players and, and go to somewhere where it's going to be competitive um, and and the one thing I will say about Villa is they have shown signs of wanting to, to you know to push themselves up the way um, I am surprised that he left for them but it is what it is, you know, I suppose if they come calling and he wants to set himself up again for the big move to Liverpool in a couple of years, then maybe that's what he's doing. And I think it is a stepping stone. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think he, he wants a Liverpool job, but ultimately, um, and, and my feeling is that that's what's going to happen. Um, I think Villa are actually getting a really good manager. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for them, actually, because I think Gerard has proved it. Um, if you look at his, his record from before and after, um, you know, he's basically had the hex on Celtic. Um, and yes, you know, the Celtic fans are oh, he only won one title. Do you know what? He won the one title that mattered. Nothing else mattered. Stopping it, stopping them winning the 10 was really important for every single Rangers fan. And nobody will disagree with you in on that one. Um, his his record in terms of Europe has been nothing short of amazing as well. Um, yes, they stumbled against Malmo this year, but actually they've, uh, you know, they've, they've got out the group stages and, you know, done that a few times and that's quite good for you know inheriting a team from Pedro Cascina which was quite frankly a mess so you know ultimately I think you've got to give him credit for that and I do think that he'll build the same team I think taking the coaching team with him is great for him as well 
I think McAllister and, and people like that are just going to be really good for the for you know for Villa long term. So I just hope Villa can stick with him for a few years because I do think he'll make a difference. I mean that's that's what I would say. Good luck to him. But also Aston Villa, come on. <laughs> so that was that was my final sign off bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably the big thing was um first of all the Obviously, Christian Perslow being a vetter who, of course, had a, bit, a good relationship from what, all I've heard from online with Stephen Gerald when he was at Liverpool. Um, also, I think as well, he was away from his family at Rangers, whereas now yeah. living in the Midlands, he's going to be, what's that, hour and a half, two hour drive away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, also, and also, I do think that it is a good stepping stone because his contract does end with Villa at the same time as Jurgen Klopp's, albeit we don't know how well he do at Villa, whether Klopp will extend his contract. But as it stands at the moment, Klopp's contract ends the same summer as Gerrard's mm. ends with Villa. So I think everyone knows he wants to manage Liverpool. He said himself that he's not going to do it until he's ready. And I think that that's why the deal's been put in place. They probably know full well he wants to eventually manage Liverpool. Um, so that's the only worry with him. In fact, that he may... Str- obviously, Rangers, he's doing well. He was getting European football. Uh, he could have done something in Europe. But I think with Villa, if he can establish himself in the Premier League, I think that gives him a better chance of, of getting a Liverpool job. Because I think people view the Premier League way better than the Scottish League. And I, I do feel... He will gain a lot from Villa Premier League management when he comes to Liverpool as well. He'll come with three and a half years, if not more, of Premier League management, and this will help him long term as well with, with us or anyone else he turns to after mm. after Villa. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on the first of all the sacking of Dean Smith, which I thought was very harsh, um, mm. but also the hiring of Stephen Gerrard? Um, it, it's kind of twofold. Do I think Smith should have gone? Yes, and I genuinely didn't think Smith had been charged at the start of this year. Um, when the new Villa board took over mm-hmm. and they, they brought Smith in, um, and obviously he was a, a good championship manager and he took them up uh, and they, they basically they kept faith with him when a lot of, kind of really ambitious boards would have said, let's go, now that we're up the league, let's go and get ourselves an experienced Premier League manager that can drive us forward. But they stuck to Smith. He did well with them last season. Um, they finished kind of above expectations, well clear of the, the relegation zone. But I think this season was when Grealish went and they said, right, you've got money. Here are the players we want you to develop. And aside from the fact that tactically, I'll go into why Gerrard's a good fit for them in a minute. Tactically, he wasn't great. But the Villa board didn't see any of those players developing. They didn't see them getting better. You know, they spent a lot of money on some great... They've got 11 games, Steve. I mean, come on, how many games do you need? I genuinely didn't think they'd give them 11. I thought, I, thought games, I, think he got... I think there's a lot of Villa fans expecting them to go in the summer. I think that's me. Uh, with the money being invested, I expected them to, to go and get a bigger manager. Because Smith is not, he's not proven Premier League top level. They need that. He's Villa already board. proved himself, though. Has he not proved himself no. last year with a good finish? No, I mean, if come you're on. going to argue that, if you're going to argue that, Chris Wilder should still be in a job. He had one well, good there season. is a good argument well, they, for Chris Wilder well, still being in a job anyway. They were mental to sack him, and they're going to pay the price for that as well. Second second season syndrome. Premier League teams that come up, have one good season, go back down. We've seen it multiple times. Sheffield United were the perfect example the year before. Villa, I think if they kept Dean Smith in, would have been in the bottom five. I don't think they would have went down. There's a, there's a problem with Dean Smith's tactics, and it's a problem that Gerard has to fix. Unfortunately, in Gerard's case, it's something he understands how to fix. So the problem with, with Dean Smith's tactics is, Andy, you'll appreciate this. Smith plays with overlapping fullbacks, yeah? Mm-hmm. When so you play with overlapping not. fullbacks, you need to have two quick centre-backs or a quick central mid to stop the counter, to break it up, yeah? 
or you need to have two fullbacks who have got the legs in them to power back when you lose that ball, yeah? Smith didn't have that. And if you look at Villa this season, most of their goals came from being caught on the counter or from a set piece where they didn't win the second ball when it came back out, right? And that is something that Gerard will have watched because that's something that Klopp's teams do really, really well. When Klopp's teams get a free kick in the opposition area, the ball comes back out or they're defending a free kick, they get that ball. That starts their counter-attack. Smith's teams just weren't doing that. And Klopp's teams don't get caught very often on the ball. Uh, they don't get caught very often in transition because they are that quick. He has a lot of pace in the team. Now, Gerard's obviously watched Klopp's tactics. It's You'll know this from watching them, Luke. He plays a very, very rigid back four Rangers. Yeah? And I think that's one of the things that attracted Villa to him. Is not really. No. You not really, actually. Across the back? No, no. He plays, it, he plays a back four, but he plays it with overlapping fullbacks. Very similar yeah. to what Dean Smith does. Yeah, but he and he know... plays he plays a four three three actually, and in fact with overlapping fullbacks who who will overlap the wingers. Look at Borna Barisic. Look at uh, Tavernier. They're, you, they're you very good at, examples of that. Yeah, but you look at Gerard. So it's not a rigid back Klopp. four as such. I I think personally as I think it's it's similar to Klopp's. It's like you have your two holding mids, you have your four up top, you have your two wingers, your striker, yeah, your striker slash false striker, and your your creative mid, and you have two guys to hold. The, the Rangers midfield can be very creative, can get forward quickly. Yeah, but fullbacks overlap, but you don't get caught in the counter. Rangers play yeah, a midfield because, trio. They play a yeah. midfield trio. They don't yeah. play... So, so do Liverpool. You say it's 4-3-3. I'm I'm, what I'm saying is that, that, that what Dean Smith has done is not any appreciably different to the way that, that Gerard likes to play. Not really appreciably. Yeah, I think Gerard's style is more like Klopp's, which is you've got the two holding midfielders and the more maybe a little bit more progressive. But he doesn't play two holding midfielders. He doesn't. You don't think he plays a he plays a midfield three? And you think he plays two Steve more Davis, midfielders? Stephen Davis is the, the is in, in Rangers system plays a bit deeper than the other yeah. two, and you have you have usually Glenn Kamara and either Ryan Jack or Joe Rebo playing in the middle. So you know, honestly, it's not two holding midfielders. No. Well, it's going, to, it's going to be two old midfielders at Villa, almost certainly. It, it may well be, yeah, but it may well be. But all, all I'm saying is that, you know, what you're saying about Gerard's system is, is not true. So just to, just to be clear on that, sorry. <laughs> I think well, what Gerard's going to do at Villa is he's going to play very much in Klopp's style, right? Because as you guys have just pointed out, that's his end game. He wants to be at Liverpool, right? He needs to get familiar with the tactics that Klopp uses. He needs to learn how to high press, which Rangers don't do enough. You, you'll see this week in, week out, yeah? The, the players are there. You've got quick players up front, Luke, but they don't do a high press often enough, right? They, let, they sometimes let teams play out of the back. Villa didn't really high press very well this season. Um, Liverpool do it perfectly. So that's that's Gerard's learning curve is to get the Klopp styling, which he already uses very similar to at Rangers, into Villa, but solidify them at the back, stop them getting hit on the counter and work on their set pieces. Because there's talent at Villa. They spent a lot of money, a lot of the Grealish money on some very, very good players. But defensively, they're weak, right? Tyrone Mings is not the quickest centre-back in the Premier League, right? You need someone fast alongside him, which they just don't have. So that, that'll be... And it's a good time to appoint him. You appoint him in November. He has four or five weeks to get used to the squad. And then he can go to the board and say, here's the limitations in the squad. Here's how I can improve them. Here's who I want. Still can't uh, go over that you think that Dean Smith should have been sacked. I honestly I do, can't I go over that. I genuinely didn't think didn't think they'd give him this season. 
I thought they'd, they'd oh. bung, get rid of him in the summer. He's a championship level manager. He's Chris Wilder. He's uh, Ian Holloway. He's that level of manager. It's like he comes to the Premier League and he just gets outplayed. I mean, I, I will say they, they, they finished 11th in the league, but really, if Grealish wasn't injured at the second half of the season, I think they could have finished a lot higher. I think mm-hmm. for a lot of time, especially the first six months of the season before his injury of Grealish, uh, they were like sort of hovering around the like Champions League, Europa League places. Of course, we all remember the 7 2 against Liverpool. Um, I think he did a very good job, and I think that uh, even the 11th place was way higher than a lot of people thought they'd finish at the start of last season. So I think to sack him after just 11 games when when they spent all that money, yes, but they needed, the players needed time to adapt. I mean, I mean, I, I, I've always questioned Wendy signing because he only had, was it one previous goal in the Premier League and he's not mm-hmm. exactly lit up. I mean, Danny Ings has been very disappointing. He's not been the player we, we saw Southampton so far. So I think these players he's bought, yes, recruitment hasn't been great, but these players do, did, did need time to, to develop. But anyway, one manager that wasn't unfairly sacked was Nuno as he was um, <laughs> quite amazingly sacked after four months, considering after the first month he won manager of the month, they beat Manchester 1-0 without Harry Kane, who, albeit, has been terrible this season so far. Um, it's just a crazy how bad it's been since. And his replacement, for me, is one of the best managers in the whole Europe right now, in Antonio Conte. Now, so far, it's been amazing that they won 3-2 in the Conference League and then they drew 0-0 with Everton. Um, so... For this one, um, we'll go back to you, Luke, again, because you're obviously a Chelsea yeah. fan. So Conte is someone you're, you you know quite well from his time at Chelsea. Um, do you think it's the right appointment for him, the right appointment for Spurs? Um, or do you think that he could potentially have the same pattern as previous jobs where he does fall out with the board? It, it's difficult to tell, actually. I, um, in, in my head, as a Chelsea fan, I'm always thinking, fuck Spurs pretty much. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to be <laughs> um, completely unbiased about it. But at the same time, um, there's a couple of real positive things that I think he'll bring. I think he'll bring a good amount of organisation and drive to the team, which has been sorely missing. Um, I, I feel that he will adopt the right sort of formation that suits the team. And I think he showed that at Chelsea. We, we talked about this before when he switched from the 4-4-2 to the, the, the you know, the, the sort of 3-4-3 three, three with wing-backs and stuff like that at the time because he realised that what he, you know, what he needed to change it to make it work better for him. Um, I think he'll do the same at Spurs. I don't think he'll be scared to do that, to choose the right formation and the right system that works for them. And, and I do think they will end up being better organised. Um, I expect that he will end up getting backed by the board. He may not actually butt heads with them quite as much as you'd think because I think they recognise that they're going to have to try and push hard to get back into that top echelon again. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's, it's not that long since they were in a Champions League final um, and now they're languishing <laughs> in the depths and they must be ruined now sacking Pochettino, really, because um, they're going to have to spend some money again in this cycle to, to make it work. Um, so but it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I have loads of respect for Conte and I was sort of jokingly saying before that he's going to Spurs, he's dead for me, but actually I, I do rate him as a manager. Um, I, I think he was very unfortunate the, the way it ended at Chelsea, but um, you know, I, I, I do think he'll be good for them, unfortunately, because I don't like Spurs much either. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one thing he's done in his career is win trophies. Look at his time at Juventus, Inter Milan, um, not into, yeah, Inter Milan, Chelsea as well. 
Um, yeah. He's got to go into a club that hasn't won a league, a league or any trophy for that matter in, since the 2008 League Cup final. Mm. Um, the one thing that I think, first of all, first of all, I want to ask you, Steve, do you think you can win a trophy within the next two years of Tottenham? And also, I want to get your views on his sort of, you've seen him have great strikers before, like Lukaku, he's turned his fortunes around, same with, and he's seen obviously great players like Costa and all that play, play under him. Do you think he can be the man to turn around Harry Kane's form and get it back to the man we saw the last five, six years of his career? Genuinely, yes. Um, Luke, will, Luke will understand this. Conte mm. played a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, at Chelsea, yeah, with uh, Lukaku as his point man, yeah? Yes. And then he did the same at Inter, he did the same at Juventus. That's, that's, a, that's his style of play. Three centre-backs and then two, two you know, wide players that just bomb it up. Um, mm. And then can the three up front that kind of can pop back or, or come inside. Um, and that's the kind of thing you need because one of the things that Kane hasn't had this season is service. And that's because of the way Nuno's teams play. Uh, he needs to get, they need to get back to a system whereby we recall last season, you remember it was like Son to Kane, Kane to Son, Son to Kane, Kane to Son. Mm. Mm. From a fantasy football perspective, we all started both of them every week because we knew at least one would get an assist and one would get a goal back and forth to each other. That That's... That's the kind of thing that Conte will bring. And you look at the wide players he's got. He's got Bergwijn. He's got Moura. Um, he's got, if he can get the best out of him, Deli Alley. You know, he's got guys he can play around Kane to, you know, and let Kane be the figurehead striker that he needs to be. Um, Kane last season was brilliant, but Kane had to come so deep to get involved in games last season. And when he's not having to do that work and he's able to go in and try and bully defenders and get in amongst, get around the back, and someone else is doing the running for him, he's an even better player. And I think mm. Conte's style really suits the, the current Spurs squad. Um, he brought in, they brought in Christian Romero in the summer, who had just won Serie A Defender of the Year. He will know him intimately. He will put him, he will play him in almost every game if he can. Um, mm. I think they've got Emerson Royale as well. Uh, they, these are all players that Conte is very familiar with. Um, so on that basis, it's a good appointment by Spurs to bring in someone who not only understands the style that needs to be played to get the best out of the existing players, but understands the new signings and how they're going to bed in and, and the kind of tactics they play best under. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't think Dele Alli will play for, under Conte. I don't think ever. I think that um, there's one thing Conte demands is people to, you know, give their all 100%. And if anyone watched All or Nothing, you'd have seen that Dele Alli did not have the best attitude, not the best professionalism. And if Oye was still there, he'd have kicked him out the door straight away as well. I think, personally, this is the end of Deli Ali. Unless Conte goes, or unless some somehow, some way, he does get the best out of Deli Ali, I can't see him even playing him to begin with. And I think Deli mm. Ali will be sent out on loan in January, if not sold, or, or even in the summer. I, I, I think Deli Ali, he's been, for a couple of years now, he's been going on a, a bigger and bigger downward trajectory. Um, and he's just... It seems to be getting worse and worse. And I think that personally, I just can't see any way Conte is going to want someone playing for his team that gives that, that lack of effort that was apparent in, in on, on the um, Amazon Prime documentary. And I think that he'll love people like Hoiberg. He'll love Hoiberg's energy. I think, I, I mean, I don't know how Dele Alli stood there. Eric Dyer still gets games. I mean, I don't know how Mourinho and all these other managers seem to like him. And it, Conte may like him as well, but he, he may not. And um, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I was very lucky to see two games of the week involving Mourinho, and I, I can see it being a lot more enjoyable football with with Conte than it was in the Mourinho. Yeah. Um, there's been two other big sort of key tr- uh, managerial um, introductions. Uh, one happened actually today. 
We mentioned D Smith before. He is now the new manager of Norwich. So his unemployment lasted barely a week. Um, in, in a place of Daniel Fark. I mean, for me, I can see both sides to this one. The sacking of Daniel Fark. I don't know what you boys... I'll go to you first, Steve, because, I mean, Daniel Fark proved that he can get him in the champ, from the Championship to the Premier League and he'd done that again if he stayed in the job. Um, but I think if you've got to roll the dice, try and go, go for a bit more. Maybe you want to go for someone a bit more experienced than... Than Daniel Fark, but I do think it was harsh on Fark to sack him after getting the win the same day for that matter. I think personally, if you're going to sack him, it should have been weeks ago after that 7 0 against Chelsea. It shouldn't have been the day you win your first game of the year. But what are your yeah. thoughts, Steve? Um, the decision you're absolutely spot on. The decision to sack Fark was inevitable. Um, he, he just he'd shown that he can't take that squad any further. Um, but the, the appointment to Smith is actually a pretty good one. Um, you talk about how Fark is like the kind of manager who understands the championship and get them at the championship. Smith's time with Brentford, um, you know, he he improved Brentford year on year on year, you know, and and they went up. They, they would have gone up under him um, if he'd stayed and, and hadn't taken the Villa job. Um, Posse now has that eighteen months of Premier League experience. Um, he kept Villa up last year. He won't keep Norwich up this year. This is a progressive appointment from from Norwich. They accept they're going down, so this is like. Get him in now. Let him have January to bring in players that he knows will, will work for him next year. Clear out some of the deadwood that's sitting there on high contracts, um, and just build a team for the championship next year. That's what they're going to do. Uh, I think Smith will, as you said, if Farkas City they got them, he'll get them back up. If Smith Smith coming in, Smith will keep them get them back up because um, the squad that's there is just too good. Um, Amusingly, um, Buendia, who went from Norwich to Villa, has not been the most successful um, and yet has, will probably be the person who inadvertently funds most of Smith's spending in January. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a good appointment from Norwich. I can't think of anyone who would have been available at that kind of notice that you could have brought in and, and has the relevant experience to, to, to build a squad that will bring them back at the Championship next year. And Luke, do you agree? Do you think do you think he can get him back up? Do you think that Dean Smith even he's proved it a verge? Do you think he's a guy to get him back up and even stay in the Premier League once they go back up? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a I think he's a cracking signing as a manager for Norwich. I think he's uh, uh, you know for a lot of the reasons I went into before. I think he was very harshly treated by Villa. I think he's a good manager. He's proved it throughout his career, um, and and I think that. Um, I think he'll instantly make the team a bit more competitive. Um, I I don't actually think they'll spend considerable amounts of money in January at all. I think they may well just accept their fate, but they may may have a couple of bargain basement type signings. Um, They might surprise me as well, but I I can't imagine. So I think think they probably realise the game's up. Um, But you you never say never right. You know, you you, you just don't know what's around the corner, I suppose. But I, I do think he's the man. I think he's a great, Really great manager, and and I really like him. I really rate him. I think he's he's got a lot of honour as well as a as a person, and that and everyone that's spoken of him says the same thing. Um, so I I genuinely wish him all the best. Genuinely, I, I just want a quick opinion from you, Luke. Um, mm-hmm. Now that that Jared has gone, and more importantly, the backroom staff that came in with him have gone. Yes. Um, do you think that you, he, whoever comes in next, which looks as it'll be Van Bronckhorst? Do you think they can replicate that level of success that Gerard had? Yes. Don't see why not. 
I don't see why not at all. Um, I think that uh, you know, I think that they've they put together a, a degree of professionalism that was lacking before uh, Gerard comes in, and I think any manager coming into that situation with the team being four points clear at the top of the division and and probably. You know, Celtic fans will disagree with me here, but I would say a superior squad, uh, given the ins and outs. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't keep going. And in fact, in many ways, the intensity has been lacking this season, um, as as has been shown by losing early goals and stuff like that. So I kind of would like to think that if it's Brand Van Bronckhorst, for example, who probably is a great fit for Rangers, um, I, I could see him going from strength to strength, actually. You know, so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Brothers well, see, it's good to see them appointing someone who actually has some coaching badges in the in Europe, mm, mm, mm. As, as opposed to the the mob across the city. Mm, well, uh, nothing against Posta uh, I mean, I think he he is committed to playing the game a certain way, and and you know you've got to give him credit for that. And I think you've also got to give the Celtic fans credit for for at least um, you know uh, buying into his style right now and trying to make it as if he was the first choice all along when he clearly wasn't. Uh, but good luck to him. He seems like an honourable man, and you know, uh, maybe not that much good luck to him. But you know, you know what I mean. He, he certainly wants to play football the right way, and that's good enough for me. You know, I'm, I'm wondering how many. Like, is he like four, fifth, six, seven? I kind of run out of fingers when I'm trying to work out how many if choice he was for getting that job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose the guy that we'll talk about next, Andy, is uh, is the guy who we all expected to see at, at Celtic this summer. Yeah. Well, before we do, before we do that. Um, obviously, Rangers do play Hibernian in the Sunday yep. in Sunday's League Cup semi-final. Yep. The Tempe manager is going to be Jermaine Defoe, which is quite interesting. To see. Yeah, that's um, obviously that's the way he's going in his career. Now, I thought he was going to be punditry, judging by recent activities, but obviously, seemingly set on becoming a, a manager one day. So, I think that he's got a good. I've, anyone who listened to his podcast is Jamie Carragher. You can see he's yep. got a good footballing mind. So, I think that. Good luck to him. I think he's actually a good guy. So I do hope he does well wherever he goes after this temperature. It looks like Van Bronckhorst is all but set to go there. Um, but the final couple we're going to talk about is Newcastle. But before you mention the managerial situation, former player uh, Alexander Mitrovic scored a last-minute winner last night, which sent Serbia to the World Cup yeah. against Portugal, which is bad actually for me for, for us three, really, because now that means Portugal are going to be in the playoffs which could yep. see them play either Wales or Scotland. So um, not the best thing. I think I'd rather play Serbia than Portugal, if I'm honest. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed we don't get them when we get someone a bit easier. But I think playing Portugal is going to be a tough, tough ask. I think if you're going to win, get to the final, you're more than likely going to probably play against Portugal. So that's really downside to this week uh, without any football. Um, yeah, finally, I mentioned Newcastle. They did finally get rid of Steve Bruce after something that was long overdue. And replaced him with Eddie Howe. We not we mentioned on a podcast before. I mean, mo, I mean, I think I said um, Fontschenka. Um, people said Lucien Favre, and no one really mentioned Eddie Howe to get the job. And out of nowhere, he suddenly gets it. So um, we'll go back to you, Steve, on this one. Um, first of all, do you do you see Eddie Howe keeping him up this year? And if so, how far do you think you can take them? in a spell, however long he lasts with Newcastle? So, can he keep them up this year? Yes. Um, how how inherits uh, a squad that has a very limited talent pool? Um, it has two good players up top. It has maybe one slightly creative midfielder. It has a lot of guys who were, they were Steve Bruce signings and they play in the Steve Bruce mould. 
um, who are not the most exciting or interesting players to watch. Um, and he, you know, hopefully he will do what one of the things Kieran used to complain about bitterly. He will sort out that goalkeeping position and, and just say, right, this is a first choice keeper and that's the end of it. Um, it gets messed about a lot up there. Um, he will bring a style of football to, to uh, Newcastle that they've been, been missing for a long time. Um, but to do that, he's got to sign players in January. Mm. He's got to play, sign his style of players in January. And Newcastle don't have enough ball players to play from the back the way mm. that Eddie Howe likes to play. So there'll be a few a few moving on. Um, there'll be a few coming in as well who are sitting on the fringes of some of the bigger clubs. Um, we've all, we won't speculate on transfers. We've all heard the names being bandied about. But he needs, he needs two or three uh, players to come in. Uh, and if he can get them playing in that style... There's nothing to stop them, you know, being perfectly safe and finishing like 12th, 13th, because there are some teams around them, um, including Villa, who will be in that same kind of transitional period. Yeah, I think that he's going to, for this year, I think since January transfer, I don't think they're going to get these big names. Kim mentioned before, I don't think they'll get these big names that everyone says, but I do think they'll get solid, solid enough players that will keep them up and maybe get them to maybe top 10 or maybe top 13 or 14. And I think then they'll then look to build on next season in the summer transfer window. I think that's when we'll see the bigger signings once they're mm. definitely safe. I think right now, if you tell these big names, oh, come to Newcastle, but you could play in the championship, no one's going to want to come. So I think if he, if he can solidify that sort of Premier League status, and then I think we'll see a big a big transfer hall next summer. Um but we'll, we'll go to you, Luke, finally, before we do round up this podcast. Um, do you agree with Steve? Do you think he's a good appointment? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I, I'm a bit worried about Newcastle in general. Um, I, I, I do worry that, that they might run out of time to stay up and that could change the project altogether. So I, I do think that actually the next window is interesting. For me... Um, I kind of agree with Steve in, in, in a lot of ways, which is quite shocking in itself. Don't fade, Steve. Um, but I do think he has to sign his kind of players. But I, I think that he has to probably focus on the spine of the team. So I think I think a good quality centre-back, a really, really good quality central midfielder, someone who can, you know, help boss the game. And and, and potentially some backup for, for Wilson up top wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, because they're, they're just going to have to try and, and, and do that. And these are guys that can maybe drive them for the next few years. Um, and then from there, building that in the summer, assuming that they they, they survive. Um, I like the way that Eddie Howe plays. Um, Celtic fans probably won't be very happy to hear that, but I think it's the right place for him to be in the Premiership, and I hope that it continues. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Newcastle, um, so I kind of do hope they, they stay up, and I hope that they can do this. Uh, I'll be really interested to see what they do in, in the window. Uh, my, my feeling is that they'll probably spend about, I don't know, 60 to 70 million, something like that, to get three good Premiership quality players, is what I think. And that they'll probably look at guys whose contracts are running down and, and you know, pay 20 million a piece or something for them. Uh, who, who knows? Who knows what they'll do? I mean, they, they, only they know, really. But uh, good, good luck to them, all the same. I think yeah. some players who, as you say, the contracts are up in the summer, they will look at this as an opportunity to get on the ground floor on what is going to be a very uh -huh. big project. Um, they can come in and this season they can solidify themselves so that when Newcastle do go out next year and, and, and start looking at you know much bigger names, um, you can you, these players are like, 
I now get to play with, you know, person X, Y, and Z instead of playing with, you know, Jeff Hendrick. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage Longstaff, but I have a feeling Longstaff's career will be great um, after, uh, after the money starts getting spent. Right. So before we go, I'm going to get one quick word from all of you. Out of those, we mentioned four managers tonight. So you mentioned Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard, Eddie Howe and Antonio Conte. Out of those four, a one-word answer, who will do the best job out of those four? Steve? Conte. Luke? My head says Conte, heart says Gerrard. That's not a one-word answer. Come on, you come choose. on. Conte. Conte, probably. And I'll, I'll make it a hat-trick, uh, I think, Conte as well, with Stephen Gerald a close second. Um, so that does conclude our podcast for this week, our new manager in the Premier League special. So thank you all for listening and do be sure to pass on the word, pass on the um, message and um, do promote the show if you can uh, and do make sure to follow on all the podcast networks that are available and give us a listen to all our previous podcasts as well. So I have been your host, Andy. This has been Steve, this has been Luke, and we will see you next time.